Comedy Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Joining me on the podcast today, episode 87. It is the day after Christmas, which makes it Boxing Day in Canada and my father's birthday in my family. So happy birthday, Peter Teitelbaum, better known as Dad or Doc T to his students. And welcome to the show for a wonderful final week of 2017, my good friend, Andrea Weatherald. Hi. <laughs> how's, your, how's your holiday season? It's going good. It's going really well. Um, it's our first Christmas to be parents, so that's a lot of fun. We've done a lot more Santa than we have in past years, a lot more shopping when it was just kyle farley your dog and you over the last few years correct less santa less santa okay a lot less santa a lot more not really worrying about christmas at all (laughs) and (laughs) i don't even think we gave each other gifts last year i think we said that we would surprise each other at some point in the year because it was too stressful to we couldn't be bothered to shop and we never did that because shortly after Christmas, children came to our house. That's so. <laughs> right. And so this will be your first year running the parent helm of a uh, Christmas family. Yes. Yeah. Are you nervous, excited? So we're sitting in the 24 hours after Christmas when this airs. What kind of grade do you feel like you deserve going into the weekend? And then how do you feel like it's going to go if you're projecting? Okay. If I'm projecting, I... Don't know. I feel so. The thing with foster care, if you don't know, Kyle and I are foster parents. And so, because of the situation, people just really love bringing presents over, which is so kind. And also, we have a tiny house. (laughs) So, we feel we have had some trouble figuring out like what are good gifts to give the kids. We definitely want to give them gifts. But we don't want lots of crap in our house. so There's a limited amount of space to keep the items. Yeah. So I feel like my gifts that I think are so exciting are like, you know, let me buy you swimming lessons. But no kid really wants to unwrap a paper printed out that says, yay, swimming lessons. But you could give like, I guess, floaty wings might be uh, condescending. That's true. (laughs) You might need these for a Right, you might bit. need these because otherwise you will die. <laughs> I do not expect you to learn quickly. But you can at least wrap an accessory to, That's the, true. to the activity. That's a great suggestion. I'm just here to help. I don't have kids of my own. I, the only gift that I'm excited about giving this Christmas is for my cousin, who's two weeks younger than me. She's got two beautiful daughters, a, I'm going to go seven and five. It might be six and four doesn't matter the girls are sweethearts but since mom has these two young kids mom was a big sync fan growing nice up, i found somebody on facebook marketplace that was selling not one not two not three not four but all five sync members as marionettes from the bye 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 good video. yes so some action figure barbie doll sized sync. perfect so those are for mom she will have opened them and then she can play with her daughters with the insects. Yes, that that's sounds the like the gift of family bonding. That's what it's all about, the holiday season. Hmm. <sighs> so I'm anticipating maybe like, um, I mean, I think that the experience of Christmas, that's been the biggest thing that sure. we have wanted to introduce them to is the ex- like the, the larger experience of Christmas. So I've been um, 
keeping like a little checklist of things that are meaningful and fun at Christmas and then kind of checking them off with our four-year-old daughter. Um, you know, so it's like making Christmas cookies is fun and doing something kind for somebody is a good part of Christmas. Um, seeing Santa and gifts and um, different holiday traditions that we have, but we want for the gifts and the present part to be like one fun part of a bigger experience. Sure, absolutely. When I know you and Kyle, both even previous to having children in your family, uh, were very involved in the religious aspects of the holiday, which sometimes can tend to get lost. And especially if you put the emphasis on the gift aspect of Christmas, you're kind of losing the... uh, what we'll call the moral center of why we're celebrating. Yes, 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 yes. That is, (laughs) it's so funny because um, Kyle and I don't consider ourselves especially religious. I would say that I'm more spiritual than religious. But um, certainly to me, I'm like, if you're going to celebrate Christmas, you're going to know what it's about. Like Uh, You would (laughs) hope so at some point. Yes, that's that's my feeling about it. So that's why it was important for me, for the kids to learn, um, the Christmas story, but it's just cracking me up because it, the message definitely has been muddled in, in everything else. She told me, I asked her the other day, um, if she remembered why we have Christmas and she said, well, Christmas is when God gave us baby Santa. And I said, oh. that's, <laughs> that's right. That's perfect. I'll revise nothing. <laughs> yeah. We'll take that one. And <laughs> an alternative version of how Jesus grew up to become Kris Kringle. I like it. Yeah. Like I started to tell her, well, no, I think you mean baby Jesus. And she says, no, God made all things and Santa. And I was like, okay, well, I, I she guess I, don't you there. Really okay, like, well. <laughs> I guess my rebuttal has been denied. Well, so. We're all born in God's image and we're all pieces <laughs> of the same puzzle. All right. So she's going to be a good lawyer. Yes. She can negotiate already. <laughs> Very good. Um, I mean, it's just impressive to see you and Kyle, because I've known you now for about three and a half years. Yeah. For the listeners who might not know Andrea yet, um, she's been on a previous version of my podcast. She's done an episode of this podcast that unfortunately the audio was corrupted and won't ever air. But we. He hated it and he <laughs> ruined it on purpose. It's not true. Kevin. He barely and I likes me. Loved it. It was <laughs> one of our favorite episodes of the early, uh, early run. And I felt terrible. Uh, <laughs> I adore you. I think you're wonderful. You're the reason I have the job that I have now for my income. Oh, that's true. So That's a fact. All of those things. So we met uh, in a level two class over at the Steel City Improv Theater, um, or actually maybe a week beforehand in a um, study, not a study, what do you call those, practice group over at the Cathedral oh, that's of Learning. Right. Coached by Patricia Campbell, if yes. I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Jeff Shore had organized and i yes. have not seen jeff if you're out there and you're listening to the podcast give me where a call, are man. you are you alive jeff we believe that you are okay but we can't confirm it if you don't call us but it's been a long time and it's impressive to see this is what i was hoping to get to eventually it's impressive to see how much you and kyle have been able to grow as a couple and invest into this town and and, and in yourselves as a as a relationship in the time that I've known you. That is so, so sweet. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Pittsburgh definitely feels like home. And yeah, I, I want to do whatever I can to make it my little corner of the world more wonderful. So so let's talk a little bit about what you have coming up for the beginning of 2018. Yes. We're about a week and a half away from 
an event here in the Swissville area where we're taping at my house. Uh, the event not at my house. Please don't show up. But in, <laughs> uh, at the Mennonite Church, uh, a few blocks away. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I recently started a new workshop series. So for background, um, over the last couple of years, I've been doing workshops in corporate settings um, under the name Improvising the Office. So the idea is using what's meaningful and helpful about improv um, and transferring that off the stage into leadership skills. So I've been doing that for a while now and um, recently felt convicted to go a little bit deeper and to think about, um, you know, on a personal level, what is it that continues to drive me to want to be an improviser? There's a lot going on in my life. Um, why is it that this is such an important thing to me? And um, I realized that it's because it is so intrinsically tied to my own weirdo brand of <laughs> Mennonite mindfulness spirituality that I have. And um, I think that I get so much more out of my faith out of my spiritual life because of improv. And I think that improv is also more meaningful to me because of my faith. So I think the two kind of like feed into each other. Um, So I started like just thinking about that a little bit more and thinking about um, the ways that improv is so meaningful and like specifically how has it helped me was the question I was trying to answer. Um, And I realized that one of the biggest things has been like my own journey of forgiveness. So it literally is shocking to me that now as I am closing out the decade of my 20s that I can sit here and comfortably (laughs) talk about faith is like literally a shocking thing to me. Um, I think, Garrett, you know that I (laughs) come from sort of a strange faith tradition growing up. There was just kind of like a lot of guilt and fear and and all of that that I think probably other people experience too a lot of hurt um so forgiving my home culture like forgiving this religion that I grew up with um and getting to a place where I can realize what's beautiful and what's good about faith absolutely has been just a really powerful and a really meaningful experience and I um I think that that is definitely because of my um, status as an improviser. So I, anyhow, um, long story short, just started writing out, like, specifically, how does improv help me? And I realized that it helps me be a good listener. And um, it's really hard to be hateful if you are listening closely to an actual (laughs) human person. You would hope so. Yeah. I mean, if you take time to really be open, you know, and to really have some skin in the game and the conversation, it's you might still disagree. You might still not, you know, be on the same page. But that powerful, like negative, you know, rage, like that feeling of hate gets extinguished pretty quickly in the presence of love, you know. Yeah. And I think that improv is a lot about love, actually. Um Anyhow, so I started really thinking about, like, what would it be like to have a workshop series where I pair together um, some of the things that I found very helpful about mindfulness and some of the things that I find very meaningful about improv. Um, It's been interesting as I've sort of pitched this idea around that people are like, I don't 
quite obviously see the connection between improv and mindfulness. But actually, I mean, on the inside, it's a lot of the same skills. You now, know, are you getting that feedback from improvisers or from people who are maybe outside of the improv? I think outside, who see outside, it as still yeah. like a whose line is it anyway? Sort oh yeah, of yeah, yeah. Mickey feel. Yeah, I think that people kind of have this idea that mindfulness is all you know, like serious and calm. And in some ways it is. Um, but that improv is like fart jokes and, you know, sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there's plenty. <laughs> right. And I mean, there's more to both. I mean, at, at the end of the day, they're both about being present, just staying, staying committed to the present moment and being committed to it um, and viewing it through a lens of curiosity and not judgment, you know? Yeah, I think being able to come at things positively is is the biggest difference, and especially in an improv scene where you have to approach whatever your scene partner is giving you as if it's the greatest thing in the world is always mm -hmm. one of those things they teach you in class. Um, it just makes your scenes better. It makes life better. Absolutely. And you're invested in whatever is going to happen between you and the people you interact with. Oh, I think one of my hugest moments of growth as a person was – um, we talked about Patricia Campbell earlier and she gave me the note, uh, at some point in my first year of taking improv classes, she said, Andrea, if you're in a scene and you don't like what's happening, it's very obvious. Sure. And I was like heartbroken when she said <laughs> that. I was like, no, I don't want to be, you know, a, I don't want to be a meanie. <laughs> right. But you can wear it on your face if you're either uncomfortable or you're not invested in what's happening or totally especially do you think some of that comes from growing up in a little bit more of a conservative religious oh yeah type of a for town? sure yeah. I I am constantly stretched um as an improviser when I'm like whoa that makes me uncomfortable why why does that make me uncomfortable why is it that I think that this thing is wrong or like sometimes if somebody does something that is outside of my current framework of what is okay I'll just get sad because I'll be like Oh, but I like that person. Like, oh no. Sure. <laughs> and so, but again, mindfulness, that sense of like, okay, how am I feeling right now? Hmm. And just being okay to say, interesting, instead of jumping into a shame spiral about like, I'm not one of the cool kids. All the cool <laughs> kids think it's great to joke about cocaine, you know? I wish and... I was cool in this room. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so instead of jumping into a shame spiral, just being like, interesting, I wonder where that comes from. And, you know, just kind of like staying present. But I bring up that moment about Patricia because um, I just realized, wow, if I would try a little bit harder um, to support instead of just judge and instead of sure. feeling these fears of like, oh, no, I think that what's happening is lame. So probably other people think it's lame and they think that I'm not funny and they think that our team sucks. And, you know, all those fears that get in your head and improv, just like taking a step back from that and being like, OK, but my only job is to serve the scene. My only job is to support my scene partners. So like getting all that garbage out of your head and just staying present and committing to what's happening out of curiosity instead of judgment is the whole ball game with improv. Now with parenthood and life and developing those workshops, how many days a week do you still have for improv? Are you on active teams currently? Where can yes. people see you? Yeah. So, um, I definitely have taken, a step back for sure, um, which was hard. Um, I think it's only natural, especially yeah. when, when you're doing foster parenting and you're getting them 
uh, a little bit older that they already are mobile. They're they're going and there's two of yeah, them. Yeah, I remember to go being like to shocked by how hard that was. Yeah, because I where I was like, but we paid really close attention in foster prep class. Like <laughs> I felt really ready. We had originally said yes to a placement. Um, on February 19th, we said yes to a placement of three little girls Wow! and they were, um, two, one and two days old. And so we had said yes to this placement and we like waited all night and then they never came. And it, there had just been like a snafu with a caseworker. And so they ended up finding a different home for those girls. But I was like, you know, devastated that that happened. And then when, when our kids came, just a few days later on February 21st, I remember thinking like, oh, there's only two of them. No problem. Like we were going to take three too. It's no big deal. Right. Oh my goodness. Totally different game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am so thankful that those other three little girls, I'm sure they are in a loving home somewhere else. And that is probably what the universe needed to happen Two is a lot. What was the process like of, of deciding that you wanted to go and be foster parents? Yeah, so um, we had decided in August that um, we would be willing to adopt the baby of a young girl who's in our life that we knew um, who became pregnant and was in kind of a difficult situation. And we had decided that we would be willing to adopt the baby if that was what she wanted. Like, of course, it was like only if that feels like what she needs and wants. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Her especially. But we, you know, um, had mentally crossed that bridge um, that ultimately it seemed like perhaps that would work out. We started doing the classes um, to do that. That in that case would have been a private adoption, but there's still you have to do a home study and it's a lot of the same things you need to do anyway. And she changed her mind, um, which is fine. And we knew that that could happen. Right. But we had already kind of been in this headspace of like, we feel ready to be parents. We're you ready know? to expand our family. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it definitely was hard to accept this idea of like foster care instead of adoption where it's like the children could go home and like, that's super heartbreaking and it still is. Um, but that's what I have all of you for. I mean, if you're a friend of mine and you're listening to this, if you're not a friend of mine, I don't know. Let's be friends. (laughs) I, I think about that, that class all the time. I was lucky enough last night to get to hang out with Michelle. We went to the pit basketball. Oh, nice. Isn't she just lovely? And just to think about you two and Kevin and uh, Josh Wojcikowski. Yes. um, Bear plane was such a fun show and team and a fun era of our our careers. Yes. Um, Oh, the early days are so fun to remember. Oh my goodness. Remember (laughs) getting the nervous poops before every show? Sure. Remember that? I remember doing a trio with Kevin and you where mm-hmm. the entire theme was uh, that the <laughs> audience had this. to ask, suggest something from the 90s because you had I know nothing about blacked the 90s. out other than Amy Grant. You know very little. Oh, I know so much about decade. Amy Grant, though. Yep. Really. <laughs> um, and so we then did an improv scene uh, show, the three of us. Basically. My friend Ethan Tuxel, if he listens to this, is going to just judge me that Amy Grant even got brought up because he's seen two... <laughs> He's seen two of my shows, and both times I brought up Amy Grant. So, well, I have Ethan's old work computer, and I found his Wolverine DVDs. So, <laughs> I gave them to Kyle. If they ever made them back to you, Ethan, yeah. I don't know, and I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I just I miss doing improv. It's such a big time commitment, but there's so much to be gained from the in- 
just the inclusion of other people yes. in your development and process. Mm-hmm. And, and un, there's a lot of unknown with doing stand up, obviously, how the audience reacts. Yeah. But having the unknown of what's going to happen in the scene and reacting to it is very different when it comes to improv. Yeah. Honestly, I always recommend improv as the starting off point to people who are not in comedy yet but are interested in it because I feel like the the teamwork dynamic of it the spirit of improv the yes and this idea of being enough I mean those are powerful things you know it's a it's a totally different dynamic than in the very few experiences I've had with stand-up it feels much more individual you know and a lot more room for those insecurity demons to sneak up on you and anyhow I I always hope that stand-ups have a good team of support you know like a sure. good a good amount of support because I feel like it'd be really easy <laughs> to sneak down into a bad place when you're up late at night you know for open mics and drinking by yourself while you're waiting for your turn to go up I'm like ah it's easy to kind of yeah, get into a negative headspace. it scares sometimes. me I know With almost yeah, anything yeah. though that's so true how do you use mindfulness either in the way that you're going to implement it with the workshop or how is it kind of added something to your life over the last few years is it meditation is it yoga what's kind of your typical practice yeah so definitely meditation for me and um mantras good i'm i am a big believer in choosing to think of a positive thought if like if if you're struggling to get out of a shame spiral getting to any headspace where you can realize okay i i am in charge i can't help what passes through my mind i can't help what pops into my head but I can help what I choose to dwell on yeah. you know and getting to a headspace of choosing a, a better thought like choosing something that is more helpful and useful and I'm not saying ignore your feelings I certainly don't mean that but there I just believe that there's a difference between being able to work on what is difficult and and just beating yourself down you know so, yeah absolutely absolutely I'm a just I just want to be clear that it is not a part of my mindfulness practice to say, oh, I don't want to feel sad, so I'm just not going to deal with it. But I, I just think that there's a headspace where you can do work, where you can work on what needs to change or how you're feeling, and a headspace where you're just like... Pfft. It's easy to let the world kind of weigh down on you, especially if there's a lot of things going on at once. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, finding however it is that you can either refire those synapses in your brain to Absolutely. focus on something that's positive in that situation or absolutely either it's empathy for somebody else or for yourself which I know is probably the hardest thing for most of us yes yeah and so the other thing too for me has been that I try to um in order to keep myself from just being overwhelmed you know I try to focus on like you know today this is the thing that I really want to choose for myself you know whether that is um choosing acceptance over resentment, you know, like over being resentful of other people. Um, I mean, that doesn't serve you. Like ultimately I just try to figure out like if I'm going to be productive today, if I'm going to be like the best version of Andrea that I can be, what is it that I need? You know? And maybe that's like a few minutes of quiet. Maybe that means I need to ask for help. Um, maybe that means I need to hit the snooze button, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, just like I think that mindfulness kind of gets this reputation of being like hokey or difficult or whatever. And really it's just present mindedness, you know, it's just being willing to be aware of what's happening inside of you and around you. And then, and then just acknowledge it, you know, and adapting when necessary. Yeah. And if, yeah. if something isn't going well, figuring out how to 
to reposition or at least refocus in those moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, one of the teams that I'm on, Kill Screen, yeah. um, is a recently a max team of the arcade. Congratulations. Thank you. That's very exciting. It's so exciting. Um, our coach is Jethro Nolan, and he had us do like this meditative exercise before an improv rehearsal once. And I don't know for sure if this is true about Jethro, but I don't think that um, that that's that meditation is a part of his practice, like usually in life. But it, it sounded okay. like he had recently heard about this, and it was such an amazing experience. Good. Like I, I wasn't sure um, at the time. I was one of only two women on the team, and I was like. I don't think these guys are going to be into it. I feel like meditation is a thing that girls do. Like, you know, how sexist is that? <laughs> but I was like all worried and insecure about like, I'm totally into this and I don't want them to think that I'm dumb. And you don't want to look too excited. I don't want to look too excited. I want to be, you know, like over eager. Uh, yeah, I did okay at meditating. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it was <laughs> just a really meaningful experience to see people engage it, to see people. Yes. And this new, this new thing. And then it, turned out to be a very relaxing experience it was very helpful and um getting focused on the here and now not worrying about what happened earlier in the day or not worrying about you know what anything ad- else what advice do you have or what have you done because i know a lot of people say like i can't turn off my thoughts or i can't focus i don't know mm. how to meditate or i don't know how to develop a practice what kind of advice do you have for somebody who is just overwhelmed by the idea of sitting alone for a little yeah. while in silence. Okay, that's such a good question. So I thought that you were initially headed into like when other improvisers are like, I can't turn my thoughts off like before an improv show. Oh, in a show itself. Yeah, so okay. that's the first thing that I thought of. So sure. like that, my the answer that's in my head is about that question, which I realize you did not ask me. It's okay. Are we talking on the sidelines? Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Like before a show starts and like oh, just even those... just even in the green room previous to walking out. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Like I certainly have had that experience of being like, I I know someone in the audience. I hope I don't make a fool of myself, or you know, just the whatever the crap is in your head. Ooh, that... I I remember very distinctly we were on our very first house team ever together, which was Carousel Rehab over at Steel City, and not. You hadn't even seen a person that you knew in the theater. You had seen someone on the street when you were looking for That's parking. That's right. That's so embarrassing. And, I remember that. <laughs> and you, were, you came into the green room and you were like more anxious than usual yeah, because of that. Absolutely. So, right. I mean, even that, like in this moment, I can be like, hmm, what's that about? I mean, I know that it's about people pleasing, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what what I think of, like my advice in that situation is like, I try to always remind myself and it actually, you know what? It's the advice that my sister gave me on that night, Garrett, that night that you just remind that you just reminded me of. I called my sister because I was like, I'm not in a good headspace for this show. I'm really nervous. I'm afraid that um, one of my coworkers is coming to this show and you know, that would be so embarrassing at work tomorrow if it doesn't go well and all this. And she said, Andrea, you do improv for you, not for anyone else. She's like, this is for you because this is something that you believe in. And so I was thinking, like, that is true. Why do I believe in improv? Like, why do I like this so much? And I think it's because, like, I I want it to be a gift. You know, I I can think of times in my life that I was in a dark place and comedy pulled me out of it. You know, like watching Parks and Rec was the bright spot of my day when. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, at different times when I've been going through a hard time. And I, I would love to be able to be that. You know, I would love for, um, 
my improv teams when we perform for people to feel like, oh, what a relief. You know, this has been a hard week and this has been like such a mental vacation. Like what a wonderful gift, you know? And so like when I think about it from that like giving people joy and love. Yeah, giving you know, them something to enjoy as an audience. Yeah, it, it, it's nice to think highly of it. Um, I wish that more people approached it with that. attitude. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah, well, truly, it. that's what helps me get out of my head when I'm feeling if I'm feeling nervous before a show It's just reminding myself sure. that um, I do this for me, but it's not about me. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I think like so. I do it because I love it. But it's also not about proving something to anyone. You know, I don't feel this need to prove that I'm funnier, to prove that I'm the best, or to prove, you know, like those insecurities that I think, at least I hope I'm not alone in early on in improv having a lot of those hangups. I think no matter, it takes a lot of reps and a lot of shows before that goes away. And especially in stand-up where you're all by yourself mm-hmm. and it's a little bit more personal to yeah. who you are when, yeah, you're, yeah. when you're up there. It it might not ever go away completely. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had to get to the point where you you fully understand that it's not about you proving anything to right. anybody. Yeah. I I just want for it to be a gift. I want it to I want it to matter and be meaningful for someone, you know. So um and then when it comes to being able to turn your thoughts off if you just want to meditate that's hard. And honestly, it, it's another thing that just takes a lot of reps. It's another thing that just takes a lot of practice. And I always encourage people always listen to me like, Oh, I'm a guru of mindfulness. And I just literally, I can't even get through the store. Like folks are just stopping me and they're like, Oh my God, is that Andrea? Let me just quick ask her a mindfulness question. Just (laughs) real quick. I need to know. No, that does not happen to me all two or three times so that I've been asked this question. When prompted. <laughs> when prompted. <laughs> my response is to just not judge yourself. Sure. Like when, if you notice that your thoughts are wandering, just let them wander a little bit then. Okay. Yes and, you know, like that's to me the marriage of improv and mindfulness is like, yes and. Okay, what is that about? Let me take a deep breath and try again. And if my thoughts wander, I'll let them for a little bit and like, You can always bring them back. Yeah, because the enemy of creativity, the enemy of growth, the enemy of joy is shame, you know? So if if we jump into a headspace of shame and judgment, then we're not productive anymore. It's very difficult for any adult, and I'm sure having two young kids around, it's easy to see them pick things up quickly Mm because kids are such sponges. Mm -hmm. But adults hate being bad at things. Oh, yeah. And the idea that you have to work at something in order to get better at it is frustrating for Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. people be it improv or meditation or any number of mm-hmm. life skills that we don't have naturally all of us yeah 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 so I mean it's worth the work though you know when I think about um some of those early shows and oh just that feeling when you know that your team has had you know one of those shows that's embarrassing in a way that like only improv can really be embarrassing you yeah. know just like that it just like gets into your soul and it's like as if somebody bad oh yeah yeah just like soaked a, a wool blanket in water <laughs> and then just like it, let it get real cold and then like made you take your clothes off and wrapped you in it and it's like itchy and cold and awful that's what it feels like to have a bad improv show everyone sign up for classes <laughs> please take them all three theaters it's a new year new you yeah <laughs> so like but i feel a huge amount of gratitude to be where i am now when i remember like 
what that felt like, but it does. Sure. It just takes work. It just takes practice. And like the teams that I'm on now, oh, I just love them so much. I feel so thankful. You're in the you right know? place with the right combinations. <sighs> it feels of that way. And- yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, and that's what you want in to feel like you have a, a good relationship with it. Yes, and absolutely. I think, uh, you, you say, um, it, what word did you pick? I'm going to edit this out. We we talk about be, people not wanting to start things because everybody wants to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And just <clears throat> that being such the enemy of getting started. This is the last week of 2017. This is a time when a lot of people are setting New Year's resolutions mm-hmm. and trying to make themselves better. Um, if somebody is trying to develop a practice to get into the routine of meditation or um, any sort of you know pursuit for themselves and mm-hmm. self-betterment, what advice do you have as the guru of, of all things? Mindful? Yes, thank uh, you. <laughs> I think my advice is to get clear on the ultimate goal. So I think the first step to having more meditation or more mindfulness or whatever it is in your life, um, those kind of like gentle practices that feel nice, um, they're really easy to let go of if you don't have a clear vision for like, ultimately, what do I want to get out of this? Because it is hard, you know, and it doesn't feel essential, you know, um, it We're feels, busy by, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, it's tough to fit in everything that you'd like to do. Absolutely. And so if it's if it's going to be something that is a part of your life, you have to be really clear on what the ultimate goal is. You know, so for me, when I first started this, um, the thought had occurred to me that I really wanted to write about forgiving religion. Like I wanted to write about this journey. And I was going through a time of my life where I had a lot more time in the day. Um, and I remember feeling like I have a choice between feeling really discouraged that I am in my late twenties and my professional life is not what I thought it was going to be like, or I can wonder, but what if I believed that the universe is giving me the gift of time right now and that what I need to do is be a good steward of this time, Sure, you know, and, um, around that realization is when this thought occurred to me about forgiving religion And I was like, what would my life be like if I didn't have a white knuckle grip on my steering wheel the whole way that I'm driving home every time? You know, like what wouldn't that be nicer if I wasn't like terrified to run into someone from the church where I grew up? Like, what would that be like if I wasn't so afraid of that anymore? Even out here being, you know, a state, two states away. And yeah, we talk about having a private Facebook. I'm all, my name's Aruba, Jamaica. No one from my hometown find me because I'm scared. Like, You know, like I just, I mean, that's not what freedom is, you know, that's what fear looks like, you know? And so just getting to this place in my head where I'm like, I would really love to be less afraid. You know, I would really love to be more confident and, and to feel, um, like I'm not ashamed of myself for the life that I have, you know? Um, so that was like in my head, it's like, that's my goal. Like I want I want more joy in my life. Like I, I, I want to feel free and not feel like I'm in a fear prison that I clearly built for myself. Yeah. You know? Um, so that, that gave me like a lot, a lot of jumping off points, you know, like, cause it's, pr- it's pretty easy. You can find, um, 
like guided reflections or things like that. Um, if you just Google, you know, mindfulness exercises or things like that. So you can find prompts. Oh, sure. But that's only as meaningful as like what your ultimate outcome is. You know what I mean? You still have to have a focused goal. In Absolutely. Any, in any sort of thing for it to become something that you are going to make a tentpole of your day. Especially yes. something as important as, as a repeated action like that. Absolutely. It's different than hygiene in general. Oh, my God. Yes. That's why in my workshops I talk about listening hygiene. Like I talk about it in sure. terms of hygiene because I don't like to think about, um, you know, oh, this person has bad listening skills or like listening habits even. Because I'm just like, well, listening, I don't know. I feel like stand-up is a skill. Like, it's a learned, it's, it's it's a thing you can learn, but I'm like everybody, like everybody can listen, right? Like that's not a thing that someone has to be like taught how to do. It's just a matter of like choosing, like what are the, what are all the things that go into having good hygiene? I brush my teeth, I comb my hair, I trim my nails, you know, I take showers, I wear clean clothes yeah. and listening is a lot like that too. You know, am I distracted by my phone all the time? Am I walking into a conversation and I've already decided that I'm done listening to this person like because I don't like them or do I have a bunch of preconceived notions? Do I not take enough care of myself that I can be present minded? You know what I mean? Like there are so many things that go into being a good listener and I think people don't realize I can change different behaviors and then it will be easier to be a good listener. It's so important, I think, uh, and the one thing I'm going to pick up from there because there's so much good advice is making sure you take care of yourself before you worry about taking care of other people. Um, because as somebody who I would say I know you well enough, to, you're very empathetic. You're very willing to put yourself in, in other people's shoes. And I try to live my life that way and, and see other people's sides and things. But it can become difficult to put yourself first in those situations. Mm-hmm. So with the you know, doubling of the size of your family this year with you and Kyle taking on two more people that you're (laughs) responsible. How do you two still put yourselves as a priority in making sure you have your needs met to be able to give love and affection to everyone that needs it in that house? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely um, a challenge and something that we don't do well all the time. Um, But one of the things that we have tried to commit to is just being totally honest. Like, I think that because Kyle and I are both people, like, we want we want to get along with everyone, and, you know, we, we try not to make any waves. Um, so, in our, historically, we have not done a great job of saying, like, I need this thing. Like, I'm upset right now, or whatever. Because yeah. we both feel like, oh, it's not really that big of a deal anyway. I'm just overreacting, and... And just giving ourselves permission to be like, no, I'm really tired. Like, I need you to be the one to go get the kids right now. Or, like, I need a break. And so we try to, um, first of all, be committed to, like, being totally honest about our feelings and and just accepting we love each other. We are in this for the long haul. Nothing bad is going to happen if we tell each other the truth about how we're really feeling. So, like, giving ourselves permission to be totally honest if we're unhappy with the other person or... Just the situation in general yeah. is super important. Um, and the other thing is like looking for ways to take care of each other because it, it, it just is a fact that like, I mean, we, we are just so incredibly grateful for all the people around us that have been so helpful and supportive. And <clears throat> we're 10 months into this now and it's so much harder now to ask for help than it used to be, you know, because it's just like this fact that people want to feel like they have their life together. You know, no one wants to be like, of course, you know 
help me, I'm drowning in a life that I chose for myself, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's even true, like, literally in our own house, you know, it's, it can be hard to speak up. Um, so, I mean, Kyle has been so sweet in the past being like, I'm just going to like order like a, you know, little foot soaker massage thing that will just show up. And he was like, just in case you're having a bad day, you know, when it gets here, I just thought I would like surprise you with this thing or like, um, look out for each other. Yeah, I surprised them with, like, a fun guys' night escape room thing. So, like, we try to just, like, look out for each other, too, you know. And did he and the guys escape? They sure did. Those boys, well done. Yeah. We're all yeah. proud of you. They're super smart. I, I had no fear. I was a little bit afraid that they would get out in, like, ten minutes and be like, this was dumb. <laughs> My brother works at um, one of those as a part-time job in Philadelphia. As oh, a, yeah? As a weekend gig, yeah. And he, he says it's tougher than you would think it would be. Yeah, yeah, that was my experience, too. I was, without a doubt, the weakest link. Kill Screen did an escape oh. room a while ago. It was all 90s trivia. No Amy Grant. I mean, I didn't even have that as an excuse. It was just like, that is not how... I, there are plenty of other things that I feel like I'm bringing to the table in life, but like just your basic, like, here's a riddle. Like, <laughs> solve this math problem, and then, you know, use problem solving to find where it goes. I'm just like... Look, I did nothing that was helpful. Alistair and some of the other guys let me type in the code. So we like when they all collectively figured out how to get out of the room, I got to type in the code so we could get out. So it was very nice. They were very inclusive, but done it without you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) next Saturday, January 6th is the workshop. It is at uh, 8 a.m. Yes. Bagels. And then at 830 to 1130. Uh, the workshop will be going on. I know you're partnering with another improviser that I know, Aaron Kelly. Yes. Um, how did you two get affiliated? <clears throat> yeah. So um, I had posted about this workshop. It's called The Path to Forgiveness. It's an improv and mindfulness experience. Um, and I posted about it on Facebook and Aaron reached out to me because she works at PAR, Pittsburgh Action Against Rape. Yeah. And she... Um, She's a licensed social worker and a therapist, and she works with traumatic stress. And um, also just as an improviser and someone who herself values mindfulness. Um, and we, we have some like similar training from my past life as a social worker. So anyhow, she reached out and was like, this is such a great idea. I'd love to um, be involved. And we got coffee. And um, I mean, she's just been super helpful and supportive. So I'm, I'm really excited. And it's nice because... Um, you know, I've been working so hard on this content, and I really want it to be a meaningful experience, obviously. Certainly. And she brought up the point, you know, what are you going to do if somebody in this workshop realizes, like, oh, I this is bringing up feelings for me. This is bringing up trauma for me, and I need to sure. deal with it. And I said, uh, I have no good plan for that currently. And she said, well, how about I come and be there as an available resource? Yes. So very smart. Yes. Oh my goodness. And what a delightful person she is. She is. I've always enjoyed Aaron both on and off stage. Yeah. Yeah. So this workshop is the first one, the new series. Um, I kind of like rambled for like an hour and never even answered the question you originally asked me. We're catching up. Yeah. We're we're catching up. If you're enjoying the conversation. Check out the website. Uh, it's nice to see working dot com. We've got tons of episodes. Eighty seven. That's amazing. Weeks. It's 
pretty absurd, right? Yes. I don't understand how we had 2,100 people listen to us in November. That's awesome, Garrett. That's a lot of people. Congratulations. Listen, and look, you and me, just chatting. Yeah, if we they are. want to stay with us, great. Yeah. We go. We got another 20, 25 minutes together. We'll see what happens. Yes. You've it's a done mystery. so well. Thank you. At the end, we're going to tell you it, uh, who got murdered. Ooh. It will be Garrett. It'll definitely be me. I'm going to murder him. (laughs) I'm not not doing so hot. Hmm. Anyways. Do you remember our our duo that we did together? Yes, Garrett. That is one of my most joyful improv memories. That was so fun. What did we call it? Blunder. Blunder. (laughs) I thought about that this morning. Uh, I do. I, I had... A string of, of three duos in that like first year, first year and a half of improv. Yeah. One with you, one with Kevin O'Brien, and one with Laurel George, who's now out in Oklahoma. Laurel George. And those three, I did house teams at all the theaters. Those three duos stand out to me as some of my favorite shows that I've ever gotten to be a part of. Well, Garrett, we crushed it that night. <laughs> do you remember that? I do remember some of it. What uh, what it, what are your takeaways from that show? Do, we have, don't, having done as much improv as you have, is it tough to keep track of the specifics of a night? Um, so that night stands out to me, I think, because um, I have only done like two duos in my life. So the form is so different that it it's easy to stand out. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't do Makes duos sense. very often. Um, what I remember about that night is that I was at a dinner party earlier and had drank wine, which at the time I never drank before shows because um, now she's sloshed. Now most I'm sloshed the all the time. Practice. I'm at a forty <laughs> in the bag. Oh my god. Um, hashtag because kids. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. No. Um. Anyway, so I w- I remember feeling like, oh no, I'm a little bit tipsy. Like this, I never do this. Sure. It's like a very intentional choice of mine because I feel like you need to be on your feet. You know, you need to be like ready to go with improv. And I don't feel like drinking usually helps me do that. I get sort of sleepy usually. Anyhow. So I remember getting there and being like, you know what? Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Garrett's my good friend. I'm just not going to worry about it. Like no big deal. Like I have, I have no skin in the game. You know, like I was trying to like talk myself out of my usual it's going to go terribly. Improv anxiety. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if I do something terrible? And I remember what I remember about that show is that there were a lot more people there than I thought there were going to be. Yeah. Which good on you, because I feel like I did exactly zero things to promote it. Sorry about that. That's I'm a okay. bad friend. I don't, <laughs> I, those audiences were always like very big or very small. It was a very big night, right? Am I remembering that wrong? I, I feel like it was a really big I think you were right. House. Yeah. We always sell out. Me right. And anytime Blunder hits the stage. Anytime Blunder is around, the crowds <laughs> are a coming. Um, but so what I remember is that you asked for a relationship suggestion and a lady in like the second row shouted out open mouth kissing. <laughs> do you remember I that? I do now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I took that like the I interpreted that suggestion as like a, being a lifeguard and like I was telling you about like reviving a person that was like almost dead and I think that it was just like I think that both of our like mutual uh oh open mouth kissing is first of all not a relationship not a, not a relationship and second of all 
they the, this audience member was very clearly like trying to put us on the spot like very clearly was like kiss each other right yeah 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 um so i think that both of us kind of had that initial impulse of like <gasps> let's not do the odds. let's not thing. yeah 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 um but then like i think that that energy that we both had just like set the tone like it was such a high energy show and i don't remember how long that set was I think probably 15 minutes or so of just was it only 15 minutes because Garrett when I tell the story I'm like it was like basically like an HBO special it's like an hour and a half long set it was <laughs> unreal I, I can't imagine we did more than 20 it was probably but, like 30 40 50 minutes or so <laughs> 45 to an hour 45 to an hour Mono at least. Scene. <laughs> stayed at that beach <laughs> Oh, my God. But anyhow, I just remember, like, totally being aware. We started out, like, um, downstage really far. So we were, like, really, like, with the audience. And I could feel that they were, like, on our side from the door. Like, and it it was, like, a feeling that I had only had, like, maybe one other time at that point of just yeah. being, like, we are really connecting with each other and with the audience. And, like. You're playing to everyone. And yeah. And you're making sure you and your partner are on the same page. Oh, my God. And it was so much fun. I remember, like, um. Yeah, just like it, it was such a fun dynamic. I felt like you and I were just on the same wavelength. Well, we went immediately from being in class together to being on a house team together. Mm -hmm. And then we did the duo, I think, during that yeah, yeah. six, seven-month house team run. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I, yeah, there are certain shows that will stand out as, as like everything just made sense for, for that moment. And I think even more so in, in stand-up, you definitely need to get them early. But in improv – the odds of you winning them back if you don't get them to like you it's early hard to on do. is much the 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 slope is so much steeper mm -hmm. um, because if they're rooting against you, you you've got very little chance of them coming around yeah pretty much the only way out of that is if you are able to just not care that they're not on your team up front which is super hard to do yeah 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 but anyhow i yeah i think so fondly of that show i remember um afterwards kyle was in the house that night and he was like that was amazing and he didn't he wasn't necessarily like surprised i don't think but <laughs> but i remember because he certainly kyle's a software engineer so he kind of thinks in like ones and zeros you know yeah. so he's definitely clear like <laughs> we would have carousel rehab shows you remember that team i do and we would get off the so. stage and he'd be like, yeah, that wasn't the best improv show I've ever seen. And I'd be like, OK, good, good, good. I'm glad we're that kind of friends. I'm going to go eat a whole half gallon of ice cream. <laughs> like, that was all I ever wanted was that yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great when we walked out of the door. Someone's not getting laid tonight. Sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> Got to tell me I'm the world's greatest. Right. Otherwise. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I think so fondly of that show. Um. I miss doing just those simple like duo mm -hmm. trio kind of shows. I think when you get the bigger teams are fun, but it, it's I, f I find that we aren't I don't see at least enough shows that are unique or smaller groups yeah. where it really for forces you to play together. Other than Irony City, there really aren't a ton of, you know, six or fewer teams that we have in town. Yeah, you know, um, Kill Screen started out as a huge cast. I can't remember um, in this moment, how many, the number in my head was 14, but clearly also earlier, I thought that we had like an hour and a half long show. So let's just say that's the world's greatest math, not the, not so great with the math over here, getting better, 
but um, there were a lot. They they purposefully cast a big a big team. Yeah. And our best shows have been when there are four or five of us. So I we we talk about that occasionally. Like, what is it about that number? I think it's that you take such a different amount of ownership over each scene. Like, at no point yeah. do you feel like, okay, this is their scene. It's like this is all collectively our show. And, um, you know, at no point can I just kind of check out and start thinking about, what did I do in that last scene? That was funny. That was a funny thing I did. Oh, that was terrible. Oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. How embarrassing. Let me you know think about that instead of listening which there's no happens. time to not be an active participant yeah there's no time to not be an nobody active participant. else to help and if you miss a detail you can't save the scene or you can't even just be a walk-on or, or develop any sort of a you know relationship with what's happened yeah you can't support if you're not listening <laughs> uh the path to forgiveness this saturday morning and then this saturday night we have another edition of the home club over at the Unplanned Comedy Warehouse. It is a stand-up variety show that I host with my best friend, Lunch Meat Grumble Kraut. Andrea brought uh, her character Gail from the Underkill sketch show uh, and, I believe, a sacrilegious sketch maybe as well. No, Gail has not been in sacrilegious yet. Who knows what's in the future? There we go. So (laughs) the character of Gail, who had originally been an Underkill uh, character, uh, Andrea was able to bring to the home club of late 2017. Hopefully we'll see Gail back in 2018. But That'd this, be a lot of fun. This Saturday night, uh, we do have another edition of the home club, uh, or next Saturday, excuse me, January 6th. If you're listening to this the day after Christmas, which is when it will come out, and I'm definitely not confusing myself on a calendar in my head at all <laughs> moments of this promo. Um we got a really fun show, Heel Turn, which is a pro wrestling themed rock and roll band. And I've been told that every show, the two members of the band have a fight to determine who is the champion of the band will be there. We've got Salt of the Earth, which is a inside the actor's studio for the common heroes of the Steel City with Ray Zawadney and Colin Chamberlain. We also have stand-up comedy from Brandon Shell. It's the Home Club, Saturday night, 8 p.m., Check us out at the Unplanned Comedy Warehouse. My guest today, Andrea Weatherald. Today's episode 87, Andrea. That's amazing. It is. And we don't have to pretend to be excited all the time about it. I announced last week during the clip show, episode 86, we were doing something new. We have a Patreon so people can donate money and be fans of this program. It's a free podcast. It's come out every week for a year and a half and now we're launching a fan club exclusive two tiers four dollars nine dollars a month if you have a little bit of extra money and you want to donate to the show we would love to let you get some first run exclusive merchandise a weekly playlist from my trivia show that i host every thursday and as part of a promotion for that i've been going over the members of the rock and roll hall of fame Mm. that got inducted in the year That we're on the episode number. So 1987 was the second year of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Andrea. Are you about to ask me a question, a trivia question? Nope. Can you? Do you want me to ask want. Yeah, I just, I want to know if I can do trivia by myself. So I host trivia every Thursday night at the Beer Hive. It's down in the Strip District. It's a lot of fun. And let's see, a recent question that I thought. I'm going to nail it. Do you want it to be an easier one or a tougher one? Just not about the 90s. Not about the 90s. Okay. Um, 
recently. So every every round we have a name that number question. So you just have to get close. Okay. <laughs> I don't even need you to get it right. I just need you to be closer than okay. half the other teams at the bar. Um, the kicker for the New England New England Patriots has the record for consecutive after points. Point. I'm editing this whole part out. I'm just ma- mumbling through this question. I'll do a non-sports question for you. I'm gonna go with Tom Brady. <laughs> it was a number. I remember I told right. you it was going to be a number. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that now. The um looking for the name of the hotel or the apartment complex uh, that John Lennon was shot in front of in New York City. Okay. Okay. So, hotels in New York City. It's definitely not going to be the Meno House because nope. He probably doesn't even know about that. Um, and it's probably not like the Holiday Inn because back in those days, they probably didn't have that. Sure. Um, okay. 1980. 1980. Good. Okay. 1980. What hotels existed then? Ooh. Oh. It was, I'm going to go with the Ritz Carlton. Uh, the Dakota is the name of the building oh. where John Lennon was shot. Uh, depressing but the Beatles John Lennon did not get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until 1988 that's the year I was born oh yeah next week's episode we already talked about it I've got the three New York City comedians from Lex Fest 3 and we talk about the class of 1988 you know what I got my trivia question wrong but it was still fun you should still go to trivia even if you don't know yeah yeah um what uh alpha the word alphabet is is based on the uh two letters alpha and, and beta, beta from what alphabet greek very there boom very roasted good. suck it got it <laughs> i edited out all of the ones you got wrong okay. we got the one are you happy now we can move I'm on happy now. we can move on from this jeez okay. so the year 1987 uh these are the people who got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Aretha Franklin. Nice. B.B. King. Big Joe Turner. Bill Haley. Bo Diddley. Carl Perkins. Clyde McFadder. Eddie Cochran. Hank Williams. Jackie Wilson. Leonard Chess. Louis Jordan. Marvin Gaye. Muddy Waters. Ricky Nelson. Roy Orbison. Smokey Robinson. T-Bone Walker, and the Coasters. I thought Smokey Robinson was a baseball player. You're thinking of Jackie Robinson, the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. Uh, Smokey Robinson, the uh, lead singer of Smokey Robinson. (laughs) (sighs) Maybe the Coasters? I I think I just read the Coasters. So, So, see, I don't know all the trivia in the world. Yeah, you know what? No one can. That's what we have Google for. And but, Wikipedia. That's why we have all of these great brands. And, and I'm not here to badmouth anybody. That's the whole point of this is to forgiveness. Yes. So I'm looking for you to help me with something. I will gladly help you. So September, when I turned 30, you're talking about you're almost yes. 30 now. Yes, I'm the, nearly there. The tail end of your 20s. I wanted to start a project right when I turned 30 that would be fun and exciting for me, who's a big music fan. So a few days after my 30th birthday, one of my best friends from high school son was born, and I set out 
to see how long it would take me to listen to every album by every member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's amazing. It's a big project, and I've made some good progress in this year. Except yesterday, I went to save another album to the list on Spotify, and they told me that I had hit the maximum number of albums you can save. So all of my hard work. Those mother effers. I'm livid. I'm not happy. I've signed up now for a three a free three month trial of Apple Music. Ugh. So I'm gonna try to instead of listening to all of the music of all these people, because I'm a little just overwhelmed by how much time has been wasted by this first year. <laughs> I'm going to instead focus on one person from every class. Oh. And try to listen to that one person. So maybe it's somebody I just want to refresher, somebody I don't know that well. Mm-hmm. Was there anybody on that list of musicians that jumps out that you think I should deep dive into this week? I would deep dive into Aretha Franklin because I feel like everyone knows R-E-S-P-E-C-T. But like there are lots of other Aretha Franklin songs. Many. Yeah. I think that's a great choice. Yeah. I think from 1986, uh, last week, since I have to change the whole format of this segment, it's going to be Elvis. Seems okay. Like the original class. And then we'll see what move happens moving forward. But check out the Patreon. It is a free uh, bonus edition. We'll do top tens that got cut from these episodes. We'll do uh, exclusive stand-up content. You can only hear me there. And a newsletter. So you can find out what I'm up to, whether it's acting, whether it's more trivia, whether it is stand-up comedy improv find out what's going on with me the behind the scenes official q a join the fan club be one of the beautiful bombshells here on garrett Titlebaum. it's nice to see he's working andrea 2017 is almost done yes what did you learn this year um mm. that has impacted you that you're going to take into the new year with you hmm <sighs> I think the thing I have learned most, so for a long time I've had this mantra, we all need grace for the journey. And just to try to remind myself when it when it's hard to be patient with people that um, everybody needs grace. And I think this year I have learned that I need grace too. Yeah. <laughs> I was... Definitely, I think, expecting for the mom thing to come a little easier to me because I love kids. And, you know, I'm a part of Penny Arcade, family-friendly house. You met Arcade Comedy Theater, performs every second and fourth Saturday at 1 p.m. Very nice. And I I love that so much. And so I, I was really surprised by how hard it was to, like, realize, oh, my whole life, like, my house is covered in kids' stuff. They're just, like, it's so much harder than I thought. And, um... I was like really disappointed early on about just feeling like I'm not as good at this as I thought I would be, you know, and anyhow, so I've seen you with the kids. You're a natural. Well, that's very kind of, I mean, they're so easy to love. They're such sweet, sweet, sweet kids. And I do love them a whole lot. Um, and also I've just been like shocked by how hard it is to like be patient. I think that's probably the biggest thing that people don't, especially people that are either aren't close with siblings or aren't um, maybe as close to their families tend to forget about sometimes how important patience is with yes. a partner, with a child, with people at work, just in yeah. general to survive in this world. 
that not everyone works at our pace or our schedule. And it's very easy to, when you're walking on the sidewalk or at the grocery store, get frustrated because somebody doesn't have spatial awareness around yeah. you. Or, but just to slow yourself down and that the waiting is a fun part of life and just taking things Absolutely. at a much more leisurely pace to just live uh, will certainly benefit you, I think. Oh, especially. And like foster care is such a discipline. Of, like I just said this to our little girl um, a couple mornings ago. She was telling me she was worried if she was going to have to go back with um, her birth father. And I said, you know, well, I don't know what's going to happen. And I said, but we just have to really enjoy the time that we do have together, like right now. And she said, okay, mommy, I love you super so much. And I was like, you know what? That's great. Like kids seem to, just like you were saying before, kids have an easier time with just being like, okay, yeah, that, that does sound like a good thing to do. Mom, yeah. I will go ahead and just enjoy this moment right now. <laughs> I think it's so important to, especially when they're coming in and you don't know the full situation that they had been in previously, yeah. to try and just give them as much of what they need as possible and to be yeah even in in the way that you and you Kyle have that you know the truth is the most important thing type of yeah 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 as much as you can with them depending on their age really be you know always out to advocate for them but to avoid situations where you have to lie or have to give Uh, them some reason to doubt your honesty or your integrity um, it, it, you have to walk a fine line, certainly, but I think um, one of the best books and maybe the only book I finished this year was a <laughs> book called Lying by Sam Harris. Interesting. Uh, recommended to me by Alex Coyne, who's a podcast alumni here on the show a few times. Um, but I highly recommend it because it's it's just focuses on how much damage you can do to either the way you think of yourself or the way people think of what your word means when you aren't honest about things with them. Oh, absolutely. It's so easy to do that. I mean, the things that make people not trust you when you obviously when you give them a reason to believe that you're not being truthful. But even like, um, you know, when people say mean things about other people, that damages my like level of trust so quickly. You know what I mean? I, I think about that a lot lately. Like, what does it mean to be an honorable person and anyhow that's probably not the direction that you thought this podcast was going to take but I knew that we were going to have a good time together and we were going to catch up and I had no expectations other than to find out what's going on with the workshop and get to catch up a little bit between the holidays so yes um, and this oh my this is just wonderful and I and thank you Garrett for having me I'm I'm so excited to talk with you in general it's wonderful to catch up and I'm so excited about this workshop, The Path to Forgiveness. I'm so excited. Improv and Mindfulness. Yeah. There is free on-site child care provided by um, people who are certified to work with Great. kids. So, um, You mentioned that this is the first in a series. What's the timetable? What are you planning for the yeah. rest of 2018? So my plan is every month to focus on a new topic. So January is forgiveness. Um, other topics that... Um, I'm planning to work on our courage, silence, hope, um, grieving, using improv and mindfulness to kind of unpack um, those things and, and just pretty much like let's grow together in 2018. I mean, I 
am so, so interested in 2018 actually being a new year. You know, that's one thing that I've thought about a lot. I really want 2018 to actually be a new year and not just another year of this crap that we've had in 2017. You know, there's just so much hate and fear and for good reasons. But it's like, is there a way that we can somehow have hope in 2018? How do you approach those tougher conversations where you feel like what, and this is maybe something that I'm projecting because I feel it all the time. What I think should be the common sense, decent thing to do really only requires having empathy where somebody might still be arguing for their beliefs because it's about them and their family and and the specifics of their nuclear kind of group of people where they might be casting aside the needs of the greater good or other people who might be different than them. Yeah, yeah. So um, in this type of situation, it is always my feeling that it is easy to be hateful when we're talking about an idea, right? So when we're talking about like the idea of um of people that ha- put hateful bumper stickers on their car, you know, and and in in my opinion, I hope this isn't overly politicizing your podcast, but in my opinion, like I I see someone in a truck cut off a Prius on the highway and I'm like, "Ah, fucking Trump supporters." You know, <laughs> like in my head I go there cuz I just have this like sure. vague general idea of you know, people that have no empathy and, and people that don't use common sense to think about the good of others, you know. So what I've realized, though, is that if you can challenge yourself to get up close to someone that disagrees with you on a real issue, you know, something that you really care about. Yeah. It is so much easier to have a productive conversation um, where where an opportunity for learning actually exists in person and not on Facebook. So like my, I think that my advice is to realize that yes. And off stage doesn't mean that we necessarily agree. Yes. And is the acknowledgement um, and the honoring of a gift that's been offered or a brick that's been thrown. So maybe that's an improv analogy that not everyone will know, but we talk about bringing a brick, not a cathedral, bring one brick, your scene partner brings a brick, you build whatever it's going to be together. It's, those are the scenes you would much rather, as an audience member and as a teammate, rather see and be involved in than the scenes where one person walks out or two people walk out with their idea and they're making people react to Absolutely. I call that throwing story. bricks. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I call that because it's not – I mean, it happens that you get like a total bulldozer, you know, that like dumps a bunch of bricks at once. That certainly happens. But I feel like – even once you get into like level two, level three, you know, slightly more seasoned improvisers, it's more likely the case that that won't happen. It'll just be people like throwing their thing and not offering it, not offering it in a way that it's like, you know, specific enough to be helpful, but still, you know, malleable enough that it can, that it can change and grow with new information. Anyhow, the point that I'm ultimately trying to make is that um, what I think we need to do is find a way to get closer to each other, you know, and, and find a way to say, you know, like the reason why I didn't vote for Trump isn't because I hate you and I want coal miners to be impoverished and like whatever these ideas are. We're not rooting for that. Yeah. Like, you know, it's because of these things that are important to me. And I think that, um, 
the mantra that I choose when I start feeling lost in despair over this. Like, I, I think that it is an untruth. And I'll come out and say that. I think it's an untruth that our country is filled with good people that believe in social justice and hateful people that are inches away from the KKK. Sure. I think that that is a feeling that gets perpetuated by fear. But I don't think that it's true. So I think that the closer we can get to each other and and realize that we have no control at all over how anyone else is going to enter a scene, we only have control over how we enter it. And if we can find a way to make sure that we are entering our scenes um, with a willingness and a desire to offer our opinion as a gift and not throw it at someone, um, I think that that makes all the difference. I think that our intention to go into um, a conversation or a relationship with someone who disagrees with us on something that we really believe in. I think that our intention of how we enter into that makes a huge difference. Well, and it's, you see a lot of people, especially people from the faith and I don't want to drive, mm-hmm. take us somewhere we don't want to go, but I, I grew up around very religious people and I grew up in a, in a non Jesus based faith. I was mm-hmm. raised as a Jewish person, but around a lot of Christians I, I understand people who do proselytize faith and I do understand the importance of it. If that's your genuine belief and conviction, I just find that the, a lot of people use religion as a weapon mm-hmm. versus as a tool for love and how heartbreaking. And that's obviously what I, hopefully a lot of the focus can be on yes. as, as you look to do forgiveness of faith um, and, and what a good idea can be done t- when it's when it's implemented the right way versus the way that we as as humans have been known to misinterpret or or take the words of uh, different religious texts too literally or or too figuratively to fit our own agendas. Yeah. So I think maybe um, this in particular will be something that I talk about in a workshop um, in 2018. Um, but I'll say this, that I think it's helpful, like I said, the intention of how you go into it. I think that the mantra I was about to share with you that I choose to reach for when I start feeling lost in despair is the end of a poem by Maya Angelou that says, we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And it's so easy to feel like that's not true. That's just feel good stuff that we only know about because of an Apple commercial last year. But like, I believe that it's true. Like, I believe that when we get close to each other, It has been my experience. Let me say it that way. It's been my experience that when I allow myself to be vulnerable and and talk to my family members, that if I only went by what they put on Facebook, I would be like, we are done. I have no reason. I have no reason to root for you. Right. Like if we if we judge people by only what's on Facebook, we're not we are not really doing our best. Sure. I believe that. Um. But here's the thing, like like I said, we have no control over how anyone else enters the scene, and there is totally a time when we have to accept this is the best that he or she can do, and this is not, it is not serving either of us for me to continue to work at this. Fair. You know what I mean? And we make, Self-care. We make the choice of who we keep in our inner circle, and yep. obviously the more time you spend with somebody, the more of an influence that voice mm-hmm. has on you and your... Um, mood and your ability yep. to 
to interact with others and, and stuff. So it's very important to find that balance of making sure that, yes, we're not writing people off. Yeah. But we're also still putting ourselves first and, and self-care, I think. Is yeah. Ten years sure. ago, I would have been a Trump supporter. Sure. My world is so different. And I didn't change my opinion because people were mean to me and told me that I was a hateful bigot. You know, that's not what made me change. Because right. I didn't feel that way. I didn't know that, like... Nobody thought of themselves as a bad person. I wouldn't think so. No. I don't think good and evil are that obvious that you know that you're choosing evil. But I think there's probably an aggregate score that's being kept on on the choices you make and how you positively or negatively impact the universe. Oh, for sure. No disagreement with you there. I I what I meant to say is just that. being given the opportunity to meet people who lived differently and showed me in their life a better way. Sure. That felt like an invitation. You know, that felt like an invitation to do better and to think harder about my life instead of like a slap in the face and being told like, you know, you're you're an idiot or, you know, the people that raised you are stupid. Like, or, yeah. you know. You're going to go to hell because... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's up to you to determine what happens. Yeah. So anyhow, I guess I just, um, I feel hopeful that we can do better. And I. 2018 is the year. 2018 is the year. And I I hope that I can be a part of it. You know, I just, I want to be a part of what's good. I love that. Um, Any apps that are positively impacting your life telephone apps oh you use that would help me or the listeners get a better grasp other than apple music which is now the exclusive home of garrett Teitelbaum's music thanks to spotify and their limits those fucking jerks (laughs) i've never been so mad at anything i was steaming yesterday um yeah that sounds incredibly frustrating and sad now i got aretha franklin and elvis in my ears yeah Life is good. Life is good. What apps? So I, I have the Buddha app on my phone. Okay. And it gives me a new quote every day. So not they're not always a mantra, um, but certainly, um, you know. Something positive to. Something positive or something helpful. Like I, they, the Buddha app gave me the nugget of wisdom about um, from, I don't, I'm worried that I'll mispronounce her name. Pima Kodrin, I think is okay. how you pronounce her sure. name. Um, she gave a quote about how even people who pester us the most can be a teacher if yeah. we have the, the right attitude going into it. So I'm, I'm butchering this quote, but <laughs> I certainly have gotten different nuggets of wisdom from that app. And it is nice. They give me a push notification every morning and every evening with a new quote. Very cool. Yeah. Um, for meditation, I've used the insight timer a little bit. I like that. Um, cause they've got a few different people leading, um, like tons and it shows you who else is meditating in your area. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used headspace previously as well, which is a pretty good introductory 10 day free program. And then you can pay for additional things beyond that. Um, and then I just ordered as a uh, Christmas gift to myself, a, a spire stone, which is essentially a pedometer, but it also tracks your breathing. To let you know when you're feeling particularly anxious and oh. kind of focuses you on very meditation. cool. So that was my gift to myself. That nice kind of coupon code for emailed to me. But yeah, those are the apps we're using. I just wanted to, to close on something fun and positive because yes. life Thank is good you. more often than it's bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I adore you. I always have you. You and Thank Kyle you. are so wonderful. Likewise. Um, what do you say, kid? 
I say we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And I think that is really neat. We'll see you in 2018. Bye. You have been listening to Unplanned Comedy Pods, a podcast collection.